0: All right so we're back let me first say once again uh skipped last week so if anyone uh noticed that uh well firstly well done thanks for listening appreciate it and uh thanks for noticing where we don't put anything out uh what can i say school holidays is my only excuse it's like dude my whole life gets thrown into um sort of upside down mode it's good having the kids around but it just gets busy and crazy and everything like that Um, And then we got a few things going on uh, that don't usually go on, so I've just had to kind of say no to a few things. But we're back now, and uh, thanks for um, hanging in there with us. I got to meet a listener today. Awesome. Had lunch with them, and
1: uh, the one uh, fan. Yeah, it's our our one guy. It's our one guy. Totally. And not Ari this time.
0: Uh, Not Ari. No, and and Mom, I mean we love you too, Mom, but (laughs) it's not you either. yeah no so we got a uh, so Tony shout out and um, we will uh, hear more from Tony see what, what what's going on he's he lives close uh, in Wellington in the greater region so uh, that was really cool just to get to meet someone and we've just have uh, had some good comments coming in I'm I'm loving the fact that I'm not doing anything we've got some good feedback coming in that means we must be on a bit of a backlog and people are catching up um, and finally appreciating the great brilliance of our show and, yeah and just 50 years from now
1: people are going to be discovering it. Yeah, certainly,
0: certainly. Uh, as we've been going through these guys, we have been bringing our scholarly best to the table. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, today, on that note, we're looking at John Cassian's conferences from forty-one to thirty. I will say up front, I have absolutely never heard of this guy ever in my whole life. Okay, right, yeah, never, John Cassian. Ever. But I did a little reading. Good, good. you? Do you know? Do you? Do you
1: well, do you he's know? the. Uh... He cast the mold for the monast- the medieval monastic movement.
0: Right, and uh, yeah, apparently, like apparently, he was the guy. Benedict's rule and all that—he, they all just drew from this guy. So it's a glimpse That's into a- into your kind of e- Egyptian monastery life, right?
1: Yeah, wow. cinematic life.
0: Dude, what's up with that? We're reading some crazy yeah. stuff. Definitely- yeah, he's, he's
1: famous for two writings. He's got his institutes and he's mm-hmm. got his conferences. Mm-hmm. His institutes are sort of like, this is how you run a monastery. And his conferences is a bunch of quotes right. from, the, from the Desert Fathers, where he just sort of, he interviews them, he quotes them. And um, I think Benedict, so every evening meal, he would have this read out loud mm. for all the monks who were in the uh, Benedictine monasteries.
0: Because we we're looking at this thing called conferences and apparently what what he did was he spoke to all the uh, 15 different Egyptian Abbas, you know the fathers yeah. and just sort of had these conversations kind of did a podcast with each one of them yeah. and uh just kind of pulled some insights and put these into serious uh you know or a series of lecture formats and um and so yeah I mean it's really I mean it's interesting stuff for a western from a Western perspective, I mean, you're just getting this window into this ancient Egyptian sort of sphere of Christianity that somehow made its way, as you say, into the medieval um, scenario there through Benedict's rule. But uh, and we will look at that too. I'm sure we got Benedict's rule coming up. But um, anyway, so it's just uh, this, like the seven deadly sins come from this guy. Yeah,
1: I think he's got the eight the eight vices. Oh, this that's guy. true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he was also the first. I think he was also the first to bring um, the man and the woman together in a type of monastic commune.
0: Right. Yeah. He had the men and the women, separate ones, but together. And yeah. 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 Brilliant. So um, not the kind of thing you'd pick up at the local box store, but um, necessary to yeah. throw a big wide net in there and try and read you know, And again, we'll say this if you are just joining us. Let me actually say this as well, because uh, I don't say it enough and I'm kind of realizing that lately. Um, Nick and I are both pastors in New Zealand. So that's where we are. <laughs> we don't even introduce ourselves or anything, but we're uh, both pastors in New Zealand, and uh, I'm in Wellington. Next in, you know, the other little part of the island. If you've ever seen that tiny little thing called New Zealand, uh, next on the other side, and um, down in Timaru, and um, and we just, what do we do? We've just known each other for a while, and we just thought, you know, what we talk, we talk. So let's podcast. You know, yeah. why not? Let's let's uh, display our brilliance to the world. It's just too difficult <laughs> holding this stuff in, and uh, basically. Uh, You know, why are we reading John Cassian's conferences? Well, as pastors, I feel like, you know, we're constantly going on about the value of church history and, you know, and you have to just read outside of your generation. You have to just try and you have to try and just get yourself out of that comfort zone. It's very, very helpful to do that. And we're always teaching about church history and that sort of thing. And, you know, we're fans. Uh, You know, it's definitely not my area of expertise. It's not something that we claim to to be, um, you know, any experts in. But, you know, it's it, it's not limited to the experts. Everyone can read church history. And so we're just dipping in to various texts just so that, you know, if you wanted to follow along, you're actually just reading it with us. Um, you, most of the stuff's open domain, so you can get grab it on the internet uh, on or some, uh, you know, the, those, those big massive volume sets that you couldn't get anywhere else prior to the internet are now just completely on the internet, which is awesome. We got to make use of that and um and so philip Schaff where did you get yours uh this this week
1: i'm just using my kindle okay yeah that's the schaff version yeah yeah
0: brilliant so you know there we go and that's online as well um and so just you know stop this go check it out grab a john cassian conferences we'll we'll just uh go through a few of these uh paragraphs here and uh just get a feel for what that's about and then we just kind of stop and talk about it a little bit and and just uh reflect on these things obviously that's and I think that's valuable as well, not, just, not because we're experts in uh, Cassianite theology or anything like that, but because we, um, you know, we want to filter things through our rubric. We want to process via our rubric. Uh, all, these, all these little snippets present interesting things. Nick loves this stuff. I mean, when it comes down to like monastic life, this is what Nick wishes he was. A wheelhouse. Oh, my goodness.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I learned something interesting about uh, Christian mysticism. So, the three stages of Christian mysticism. So, the mysticism has to do with the monastic life. Yeah. So, there's purgatio or pur, purgatio. I don't know how you pronounce it. Right. Uh, and then there's uh, illuminatio. Mm-hmm. And then there's unitio. unitio. Unicio. So, purgation yeah. is the first couple of years. Could It could be as, as many as five years. Sounds like the, purgatory. Yeah. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, for the first five years, you just suffer. You just mm. suffer deprivation. You just cut yourself off from society, your family, your belongings. You just learn to suffer. <sighs> that's It's yep. the first level initiation into the ascetic life is purgation. Right. Mm-hmm. Then there's illumination. And that's mm. where you just feed on the Gospels, and in particular the Sermon on the Mount. So like you just take that literal reading of one cloak giving the other one away, turning the other cheek, right. you know, just like flat literal interpretations of, of the Sermon on the Mount. And then there's unitio and that's where you come become. You, it's it's I guess what Aquinas would call the beatific vision. But uh-huh. you unite with the you Godhead. transcend Where you have the guys running away off into the caves. Yes. Trying to have that that single moment.
0: It gets a all little pantheistic on that. that yeah.
1: Connection. So that's like the, the top of the food chain of the ascetic ladder. Totally. Is to, totally. to attain to unitio.
0: Man, you've just described yourself. Yes. It's amazing. I mean, it's hard to, I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, walking around with Nick in in India for a while. We we're doing some ministry there and then on the way back, we came by uh, uh, Singapore and um, and we got this really cool, well, it was actually like quite a normal hotel. It wasn't a, a bad flash, but but like Nick slept on the floor. He was just like, breaking out in a rash with all the prosperity all around. Everywhere, him. Was, everywhere I
1: looked, there was a Ferrari, a Lamborghini. He wasn't
0: taking it well, folks. AMG,
1: Mercedes. I was in my element. Medallions in the pavement.
0: Yeah. I love the medallions. That was great. <laughs> and everything's so flashy and awesome. And Nick was just like, oh man, he was lamenting, lamenting the, 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 the worldliness of the situation. So anyways, I've seen him, I've seen him roll with this. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's it's hard to fault when you've got this, um, you know, it's it's, it's, I mean, obviously we look at that and we go, Oh, we wouldn't take that. We've got our reasons for not going in this direction. Right. And uh, yeah. we could talk about those as we go, but, but it is, you've got to admit as you read this stuff, it's almost like reading about martyrdom or reading about those, you know, the stuff we've read already. You just, there's, there's some gangster respect that's required, you know, like yeah. someone who, who's going to do this and actually give their lives in this way and consecrate themselves, even, you know, in those literal ways, you just, you can't diss them very easily, you know, there's something. It's almost like uh,
1: every person who's ever made an impact in these early years of Christianity wrote a tract on celibacy or, you know, adoring virginity or something. (laughs) Right, right. Look at all, anyone who's made an impact has had that extreme all in attitude.
0: Oh man. You know, and it's such a, (laughs) such a a crazy point because, uh, you know, if you've ever read um, uh, Richard Niebuhr's Christ and Culture, you know, the famous book, Um, He makes a point there. I think I might have mentioned it before, but I I think it's so striking that basically, you know, if you think about the transformer of culture model and, uh, you know, these ideas, we just get into redeem society, all sorts of things that have taken hold of the reformed world. And then on the other side of the spectrum would be this kind of, um, you know, just retreat from society monastic vibe. The opposite um, of
1: assimilation. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you know, it's, it's run its course all the way through. I mean, obviously you got your weird sects involved, but, but uh, you know, basically you, as we think about the monastic movement, I mean, that's certainly, they would, they would definitely uh, fit into that mold where they're just withdrawing <clears> their, <throat> their if they're going to make an impact, it's not via transforming anything. It's by, by withdrawing from it and leading this uh, exemplary yeah. sort of counterculture existence. Um But what's interesting about it is that you see throughout history, very rarely has the, has the transformer model actually worked. You know, you've just had very little, especially as it moves into those liberal, those, those extremely liberal sides. Whereas you see that ironically, those guys that have pulled away, like the monks, the early monks, I mean, they have, they, they were the major shapers of the medieval world, you know? Yeah. And, um, and you have so many instances of that, where the people that really did not set out to transform anything, but just pursue holiness and yeah. partners ended up being the ones that, um, you know, did the most uh, damage, so, so to speak for the kingdom, you know, and damage yeah. in a good way there. Yeah, you
1: got to see that trend in history. And you got to remind yourself that the the medicine for antinomianism is not legalism, it's gross. Yeah,
0: there we go. Yeah.
1: So you just got to got to recognize that, you know, we, we're attracted to conviction and zeal mm-hmm. but it's actually grace that transforms the heart and brings mm-hmm. transformation not legalism mm-hmm. and that's the mm-hmm. balance right there
0: yeah amen good well um all right so in this um in this conference 11 uh he's talking to a guy how shall we pronounce him uh his name uh Kairiman. that sounds very egyptian i like it
1: well kai in, as in christ so the, the ch is the because he, he wrote in Latin and Greek. Uh-huh.
0: So. All right. I like the way you think. Kyriman. Kyriman. It, just Kyriman. take a run at it. And just keep it. That's dead. All right. Um, <laughs> Kyriman. Kyriman. Yeah. That was, I was going to go in the Kyriman direction. But anyway. <laughs> um, all right. So we've got a few of these things. Um, let's let's go for it. And we'll just stop and make some comments along the way. So we're reading that he's talking to this Egyptian uh, Um, abogai and um, you know this whole thing's coming out yeah it's all about um essentially not following christ for fear of hell uh or or or, um you know just for desire for rewards or anything but there's something higher that we need to aspire to essentially so very good very profound. All in the
1: area of motivation. Yeah, it's a key. Yeah. It's, a, it's an excellent discussion.
0: It is. All right. So let's do this. I'll start us off. In, uh, yeah. So, paragraph. I mean,
1: maybe you should read them all. Mine are quite long. Oh, and I then okay. expect yours are shorter. So go uh, ahead. I'll just make comments.
0: Yeah. Mine, he's got quite a, um, yeah, I don't know, like a, just a, quite a weird style. So um, they're long sentences, but I've got shortish. Well, <laughs> I suppose they are quite long paragraphs. But, anyways, here we go. There are three things which enable men to control their sins, fear of hell or of earthly laws, hope for and desire of the kingdom of heaven, a liking for goodness itself, and the love of virtue. Uh, for, yeah, exactly. But we read that uh, fear loathes the contamination of evil. The fear of the Lord hates evil. And that's from Proverbs eight thirteen. Hope also shuts out all the assaults of sin, for those who hope in him shall not fail, Psalm 34, 22. Love also fears no destruction from sin, for love never fails, 1 Corinthians 13, 8. And again, love covers a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4, verse 8. Therefore, the blessed apostle summarizes the whole of salvation in the attainment of those three virtues. These three remain, faith, hope, and love, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It is faith that makes us shun the contagion of sin from the fear of future judgment and punishment. It is hope that anticipates heavenly rewards and withdraws our mind from present things to despise all bodily pleasures. It is love that fires us with zeal for the love of Christ and the fruit of spiritual goodness and makes us hate with a perfect hatred whatever is opposed to these. These three virtues all seem to aim at the same end of inciting us to abstain from everything unlawful yet they differ greatly from each other in degree of excellence faith and hope belong to those who aim at goodness but have not yet acquired the love of uh, the love of virtue while love belongs especially to God and to those who have appropriated his image and likeness for God alone does good simply for his own sake not made a, not motivated by fear thanks or reward there we go that's the first uh, chapter now our paragraph so that's crazy. I mean, first there's a lot of Bible in there. The guys quote scripture, and that's pretty yeah. awesome. I like to see that there. They are they they they're drinking the Bible. They're drinking it in. They're totally. you know you sometimes get the impression um, you know when you think about the monastic movement that they were on some crazy transcendent you know uh, sort of idea, but and that was often the case. But you know these are Bible guys, and this is probably all from memory, and you know they they all just memorized their old and new testaments and you know they had nothing to do but memorize the whole day and so they did and um and it comes out in the way that they talk it almost oozes out um and so i like that that's my first observation what do you yeah, think it's
1: good it's good i think we'd, we'd probably take issue with the exegesis you know when right. paul talks about faith hope and love he's not talking about the three motivations for the christian life right
0: you know right. In the
1: way that these guys are uh you know loading up the terms
0: yeah although it is interesting that you could see how you could wiggle around and get there. You know?
1: <laughs> it would make for a good sermon.
0: Right. Right.
1: It, it it's would freak like, you up. Remember, this is what Paul intended. Right. This. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It almost like it's a, he uses the, um, the verse as a sort of summary theological point that he yeah. arrives at through other means, which was almost like a, an acceptable way to go about the whole situation. Yeah. Almost reminds me of the way that we approach amillennialism, you know? Even if we're right, we're, even if we're wrong, we're 100% right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I like and I don't like what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, think about it. What are
0: we saying other than Jesus came and died for us? Yeah. Us I mean, I guess,
1: and I think yeah. all we're trying to say is that, you know, we do use the Bible differently. You know, having gone to Bible college and we've been a lot more, you know, we've had the Reformation, we've got the grammatical historical model. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we the- and, and we, we can't despise them for the way they used it. No. But we can't imitate them either. Yeah. So we've got to just got to appreciate what they're saying. We got to recognize these are the things they believe are taught from scripture, but not necessarily from the places they're extracting.
0: Well, I'm just thinking, like even their last uh, sentence there. Therefore, the blessed apostle summarizes the whole of salvation. What he actually means there is like what we ultimately attain to in sanctification. You know. Yeah. And it, you know, at that level, faith, hope, and love is—it's massive. You know what I mean? It, yeah. In this life, I mean, that's going to be the big thing. And those are the, yeah.
1: One of the things I struggled with was, you know, he makes out that faith and hope, you know, every, you know, you get your regular Christians, faith and hope, it's some of their their pedestrian motivations. But then one day you too will attain to the upper echelons of Christianity and reach perfection where you now have a love of virtue. Yes. you know. Now let's put
0: that, let's put the love discussion on hold because he comes back to it. And, um, with through the epistle of um, the first epistle of John. Yeah. And um, it's quite a, I thought it was quite interesting the way he went about that, which was actually quite I was agreeable to which I was amazed by. So let's just hang on with that one for a second. Um cool. uh, but basically yeah so what he's doing here is it, almost the here's the other thing I wanna say up front. Like I think one, one thing that comes through is as you said, there's this kind of um, ascending the ladder mysticism thing. You're you're getting that loud and clear. Um, ascending, ascending the ladder of sanctification, you know, in your contemplative con- life, but also just almost an overrealized or a triumphalism or a perfectionism or something like that yeah. is going to come through. In that they have every expectation of 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 almost just getting rid of sin entirely and and yeah. hitting this this moment of of transcendence, as you say.
1: But John Cassian is accused of semi-Pelagianism right and bb B- B- warfield said that you know summarizing john cassian it's as you know you turn to god and then god helps you mm-hmm. we turning that's go. semi-pelagianism that so where we understand god to be the catalyst catalyst is stop starting and speeding up a reaction mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: in john cassian you're the catalyst not god
0: yeah there we go so that's going to come through absolutely all right so um Number seven. Uh, number seven. Here we go. I'm, re- I'm reading this one.
1: Yeah, you read um, it. You got shorter readings, mine are longer.
0: Is it okay? Anyone aiming at perfection, he says, should rise from that first stage of fear, which we rightly call servile, and climb to the next stage. So there you have it, right? The higher path of hope. There, he can be compared not to a slave but to an employee because he looks for the payment of a reward. No longer worried about forgiveness of sins or afraid of punishment, he is conscious of his own good works and anticipates the promised reward. But he has not yet reached the love of a son who trusts in his father's kindness and liberality and has no doubt that all that belongs to the father is his. We ought to hasten on so that by means of the indissoluble grace of love, we may rise to the third stage of sonship, believing that All that the Father has is ours, and thus be counted worthy to receive the image and likeness of our Heavenly Father. These are stages on the way. We start by avoiding sin from fear of punishment or hope or uh, reward, and then are enabled to progress to the stage of love. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. But fear has to do with torment, but he who fears is not perfect in love. We therefore love because God first loved us. And it's from 1 John, I was talking about this earlier, uh, 4 verse 18. Uh, we can only ascend to true perfection when we love him solely because he loved us, just as he loved us uh, for no other reason but our salvation. So we must zealously strive to ascend from fear to hope and from hope to love of God and of virtue. And that's the completion of that paragraph. Um, yeah. now, now, okay, so that's what I was talking about because... You know, at one level, I found myself, here's why I was feeling strangely agreeable to this. I was like, "You know it really is, it has been my experience. you know? It very much let's put it into the sanctification like it okay and and you you are coming as a christian i I mean i gotta i gotta be honest hell was a big thing for me and early christianity
1: there's a lot of fear drivenness yeah
0: it's yeah i'm just i'm like get to that cross you know get to it quick 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 and um you know that i'm just stoked that i'm not going to hell there's that first thing and then the 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 possibility that that, you know heaven is in view and you know all that starts dawning on you and you and, and that motivates you and you know it's just there is a lot of that and then you know what he says here is, is, is you know, you go from, I love the way he describes it, you go from kind of like the servile status really, uh, to, to you just don't want to be beaten essentially to, to this employee status. Yeah, using uses but, the word
1: hireling in my my Right,
0: copy. there we go, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Slave to hireling to son.
0: To son. And, you know, and as I think about it even now, I mean, my, my, my ongoing wrestle, you know, I, and I think probably till the day that I die, We'll be going back and forth and in, in really becoming more and more assured of this reality of sonship and um and and I you know I just this is just the Bible this is first John where it's perfect love that casts out fear the the idea that that, that we are sir so, I'll never forget reading uh John Owen on this where where he was saying listen your greatest sin your greatest blasphemy is not believing that Christ loves you you know yeah and um and you have to that this is the thing that you got to work through you still don't believe that he has loved you. You don't believe in his perfect love, you know, you have not yet experienced that. And you know, I remember hitting that, that hitting me and thinking, oh my goodness, he is, yeah. you know, Jesus has died. Choose for
1: assurance him. or sin. Assurance or sin. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And, I'll take assurance. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so it's it's um, it, you know, so what he's describing there is almost like a journey, you know, through yeah. the through the the sanctification. Totally process. resonate with
1: that. That's I mean it's, I don't know if you know, I mean I as an early Christian I used to love Keith Green. Oh, that was Keith like, Green and I had a very similar walk.
0: Okay. You know, he was yeah. this
1: hippie muser, loved Charles Finney, got deeply involved in Charles Finney, right, read right. Charles Finney, got born again, again, Yeah, you know, as we all did when, when we read Finney. Okay. And then he discovered grace. Right. And I was like, oh, <laughs> my relationship's not based on performance, it's based upon grace. Right. Wow. Yeah, you know, and just yeah. just reveling in the love of God. Yeah, and, in the love of God. I mean, yeah, that yeah. that was definitely a reality. So I really appreciate that. And there's a real maturity in the council here. It's Someone yeah. who's who's walked with Christians who've had to, you know, really struggle with assurance. And you know, when I when I hear this, I resonate with it. This is a, a real, genuine spiritual experience. The Man who wrote this and said these things is a born again Christian. Right.
0: Right. That, right. that
1: it just it, you know it sh- yeah. shouts out. Totally. Totally. <laughs> but and, I, I guess my my yeah. only critique would be. We would want to stop, we, we, we would make this the milk of the faith now, wouldn't we? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's let all your motivation be because he has loved you. Yeah. Let's yeah. root all your imperatives in the indicative of God's grace. Right. And let's start on that note.
0: Yeah, and it well, you know, and he does say, "Hasten, hasten to that point." So it's not, know, does, I think probably, does. probably yeah. the 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 thing that would cause me most concern here is if he sort of said, "All right, well, this is you for first level Christianity," and then you got to wait for this moment <laughs> where you know, then you bump it up and become an employee or a hireling, and then you wait, and then you know, eventually, almost like a, a gnostic sort of uh, ascent. But yeah. but he's going, no, no, listen, the only you know here's the reality of it. But hasten, get to the sun thing, you know, yeah. and. And it's almost like he's making a category for weak Christians, you know, uh, he's almost living and working with that, that weakness that we all experience and, and uh, creating a whole category out of it, which again, it's not what we would do. But it's just interesting to see how he approaches it. Yeah. Um, but it, it did get me thinking like, oh my goodness, am I doing that? You know, am I, you know, have I, it's just such a different way to process it. Yeah, I'm thinking. All right, you're probably on level two right now. <laughs> I need I need to bump up my game. I need to jump up, you know. And then just sort of as that merges with uh, some Oren and and you know some other stuff you read, and and just even um, you go to the first epistle of John, and and it's just yeah, it's good. It's good gets you gets you thinking about it. Um, so anything else we wanted to? I mean, I think yeah, you know, just coming back to what we were saying earlier there, the. The whole uh, higher path of hope thing—you you made that point. You know, it's, the language is there, and it could be seriously misinterpreted, and probably has been. And this is probably when I was reading deal. through
1: it, I thought, you know, this would John Wesley would love this.
0: Yeah. Oh man, the perfection deal, <laughs> totally, totally. Because that's oh, that's what I was going to say. It's it's carrying that perfectionist tinge yeah. through the whole thing, which obviously is.
1: I mean, when Wesleyan theology said that per- Christian perfectionism is being swallowed up by love.
0: Yeah. Right. Where you we love God so
1: much that you don't want to sin.
0: Yeah. So, you know, That's, that song. Th-
1: that is the moment of perfectionism. Yeah. That's how we define it.
0: You know, love divine, all love. Uh, yeah. What's the, all love's, what's love's excelling. All love. Uh, thank you. All love's excelling. You know, they take, uh, we don't typically in reformed churches sing uh, that third verse, or I think the third stanza, the, the one about perfection. Like, but the whole thing is actually about the perfectionist moment where we're swallowed up in love. It's, uh, it's crazy. So they've omitted that from the thing. I, I saw that, that verse and I was like, whoa. It's one of my favorite <laughs> hymns. But uh, I was like, that verse is just off the charts. So, uh, but it is interesting that if you just take the verse out, you've got a, a hymn that's really amazing and everyone agrees with it. It's just that yeah. one little excessive element that, you know, you, again... You're and and,
1: and it, experientially, we would agree that when you are loving God with your whole heart, you're not wanting to sin. No, for sure. And, and you know, it's the uh, The power of a greater affection will expel yeah. our desire for sin, but yeah. we don't see it as a state. We don't see it as a second blessing of experience. Well, it's we it's, it it's some glorification at some level. God and His grace will give it to us from time to time for little yeah. moments, but it's but we don't call that it perfectionism. It's 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 just it's 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 bad theology to call it that.
0: Right, right, totally. Um, well, and I suppose what they meant by it, I mean, I know that you know, often it gets overplayed. Like perfectionism isn't what. They meant by it. It's it's not like they they meant you will never sin again or anything like that, but um, but even so, they did. Yeah, they they brought it down to a moment in which there would be such a significant difference. It, like you know, the, what they were calling for is really, it's only going to happen in heaven, or it's it's going to be beyond that in heaven. But still, the point is that it's just asking. Uh, it's not taking into account remaining sin uh, as it should. But really, I mean, you know, I sing those Wesleyan hymns when they go perfectionist on me, and I'm thinking. I'm thinking glory. I mean, that's just what, it's really an overrealized eschatology, right? I'll give you a quick little, like just a slightly, by the way, but, you know, same thing. I've just finished reading through all this massive theonomy stuff. Weirdest experience though, because I'm reading through <laughs> Bonson's, um, you know, like application of the law and the mosaic law. And then, and my heart is going, Amen. Amen. Like, it, yeah. And then I'm catching myself going like, "What? Is, what is? I'm a two kingdom guy. What the heck's happening of me? I, I, <laughs> I don't know
1: myself. What's
0: happening? And uh, and then I realized I was longing for heaven as he was talking this. You know, as as he was talking about this this time, that that you know, this time in which. All the craziness that we see all around us will be taken away, you know, sin will be dealt with, punishment, you know, I'm just, and then I realized, wait a minute, that's the whole point of the Mosaic Code. It's a a glimpse of glory. It's a glimpse of the kingdom. And uh, it's right that I'm thinking that. And it's it's just a, uh, it was so weird how, you know, you go into, you're reading just a big book and you go into this like humdrum mindset and like lulled and you're half asleep. And then, so I'm not really processing at that level, but then it's caught myself. My my heart sort of betrayed me, you know? (laughs) And just like, it would be great to have this now. Like, in fact, i bet freaking bring the theonomy, it'd be amazing. But then I realized I was just calling for Jesus to come. You
1: know, that's all all that was happening there. And then Uh, you decided not to start a Christian political party.
0: No, and then you realize, okay, well, that would be kind of insane to do that, actually. Man, I started off, what a journey it's been. This is kind of off topic, but, you know, just going through that. You know, like like I said, I had some of those moments, and then some other moments where, yeah, this is is kind of moderate. This is okay. Like he's 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 qualified it enough. It's all good. And then you read another paragraph, and you're like, whoa! (laughs) All right, I take it back. That is terrible. And um, I think the most concerning thing was just the just the mono covenantalist. You know, the justification thing just gets thrown by the wayside. You can't help it. You know, you must essentially. You know, it's going to come down to your perseverance under the law to receive this ultimate blessing. They can't get away from it, even if they try. Uh, He he tries to get away, but he doesn't, in my opinion. I think
1: as soon as you mix, I mean, Samuel Marsden, who was the guy, the Australian guy who brought the church to New Zealand,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: he was a JP and he used to whip, he used to get people whipped and flogged. Wow. And so he is a preacher of the gospel who whips and flogs people. Yeah, just. Uh, no,
0: something's not. No. Something's wrong. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway. Okay, cool. So we might have to chop that one out and put it as a little like soundbite on theonomy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so where was that? 18. Chapter no. 8.
1: Starting Chapter 8.
0: All right, Chapter 8. Here we go. Uh, there is a great difference between those who extinguish the inner fire of sin by means of fear of hell Hope of future reward, and those who have a horror of sin itself and of uncleanness, moved by the love of God or love for God, sorry. Uh, these keep themselves pure simply because they love purity and long for it, not looking for a future promised reward, but delighted with the knowledge of present good things, motivated not by fear of punishment, but by delight in virtue. Such people do not take the opportunity to sin when no one is looking, nor are they corrupted by the secret allurements of thoughts. They keep the love of virtue in their hearts and anything opposed to it, uh, they not only do not admit into their heart, but actually hate with the utmost horror. It's one thing to hate the stains of sins and of the flesh out of a delight for some present good, and another thing to restrain unlawful desires by contemplating future reward. It is one thing to fear present loss and another to dread future punishment. Finally, it is much better for the sake of goodness itself to be unwilling to forsake good than to withhold consent from evil for fear of evil. For in the former case, the good is chosen voluntarily, but in the latter it is coerced and dragged out of a reluctant party, either by fear of punishment or by greed for reward. He who abstains from the delights of sin because of fear will, as soon as obstacle of fear is removed, return once more to what he loves, and thus will not acquire any stability in good, nor will he ever be free from temptation. Mm. That's I love
1: what he's saying on the negative. Mm-hmm. I would just want to nuance what he's saying on the positive.
0: Yeah, and again for me, I'm going okay. Well, that's kind of what happens in heaven, exactly. You know, in yeah. that we're we're made to just love good because we just love good. But like the thing is, it's almost like he's neglecting the reality of the means of grace and the terror of hell, right? And uh, and the the the, the...
1: Well, but, do we have any perfect delight in virtue the side of eternity?
0: Yeah, I don't think we do. No, no it's I, always going to be ten... I
1: still love sin. And I and, mourn the fact that I love what I hate.: Yeah, that's and, the Roman of reality, and he's, he's not living in he's not acknowledging that reality. He's, he's saying, you can actually attain to this little place where you always only ever want to do good things all the time, mm-hmm. because you like good things.: I think the well, soon we could as hard say. always be with me in that.:
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as you said earlier, I mean, I think we could concede that there are little moments. I mean, these moments are always going to be traced by sin, but there are little moments experientially where we feel, oh my goodness, I actually just love the good, you know, well, but it's lots so fleeting. And um, and Amen. certainly not something you can base the Christian life on from the, you know, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. But um, the other thing is, is just that, you know, you there is also, and just to kind of bring out the best in what he's saying here, over years of Christianity, definitely I mean there must be a movement from almost what we were saying in that first paragraph, where toward the end or after many years of sanctification uh, you, you might say you're characterized more by a desire yeah. at least to love virtue for virtue's sake rather than you know have someone whip you to it or something like that. you know there will be some sort of movement in that in that direction. maybe
1: it's backwards at the beginning of my Christian life i'm like. I Cannot stand sin now. It's like they just need someone sinners. to whip you. That's
0: that's called backsliding, Nick. Good thing we had this talk on air.
1: <laughs> Thanks for your counsel, Mike. I now repent. In dust and ashes.
0: All right, that's good. that's
1: good. I'm just thinking of Paul, you know, towards the end of his life, chief of sins.
0: That's true. And but 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 he did, he didn't mean by that that you know he was you know going backwards, he just meant that he, no, no, the I think he was, was shining more, more bright, yeah, yeah. And so I just remember
1: as a as a young Christian, there were actually times where I felt like I could never sin.
0: Yeah, yeah, Finny, that was and Finny, like, right? Th- there.
1: There's mature, immaturity. I just don't know my theology yet. Yeah, you don't there know was your own heart. There's also that emotional high. I'm riding on it. Yes, you know? yes,
0: totally. Yeah, and you're just dumb. You're just super dumb. And you just <laughs> kind of like don't even know yourself. Don't know your own heart. I mean, I honestly, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget. You know, day two of Christianity, I was talking to a guy, and he was going. And I was just saying, oh, man, I'm just sinning all the time. You know? And he was saying, why? What did you do? And he was kind of shocked that I said I had sinned. And I was like, well, it's just my heart. You know, I'm not worshiping God the way I should and not loving neighbors the way that I should. And he's like, well, you know, I mean, what have you done wrong? though? Think about it. And I remember he actually succeeded in bringing me to think, well, actually, maybe I'm being too hard on myself. Yeah, you know? <laughs> maybe I just haven't actually <laughs> sinned the whole day. I mean, that's like—I mean, now I think about it, it's like preposterous, just at an experiential level. So, w- w- what is happening there? I mean I All am you're doing sin. is, yeah, you are sinning exactly. And if you, I you,
1: am, I'm sinning.
0: And I often tell people like I the best. Sin by being. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. And uh, you know, like people often like you know, uh, definitely uh, new Christians start off and like, well, I'm not sure I'm getting this conviction of sin. You know what, what? I tell them, and I think this is great because this worked on me. Is just that's fine. Just just make sure that you um, love God with all your heart this week. You know, just just nail it. If you can do it, go for it. Nail it. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it just takes that moment of really trying. Okay, wow, I'm gonna live for Christ this week. To just you know, just need a few of those, and uh, yeah. pr- pretty soon you're in your place. And. Uh, Amen. Yeah. Not to mention those, those major falls along the way.
1: Um, what I did appreciate what he was saying, just coming back to to what he said is it's so true that when, when fear is your motivation. Mm. And so I'm I'm thinking of some counseling situations where my husband and a wife, maybe someone struggling with pornography, my wife will catch me. Right. And when fear is the motivation, but if you work out a way that you're not going to get found out,
0: you're going back and to you're it. You're not going to get caught, yep. you're
1: yep. going to get back to it. It's a big point. And so we do we do strive towards bringing the heart into a love yep. for virtue and actually hating the sin for its own sake.
0: Yeah, you're appealing to your new heart there. Yep. You know, you, there is a renewed heart thing that, that and, must and we want to, to agree
1: with that and nurture that. We just don't yep. want to give the false impression that you can attain to this 100% of the day and, yep. and and be living in a state of emotional exhaustion because you're not there
0: yeah totally yeah the pornography things used these days are on that point because it used to be that you could just kind of like oh you know just stop him from going into this place or or take the 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 the, the computer away or but i mean that's so ubiquitous now if there's no ways that that'll ever work this yeah. you've got it you've got to go for the heart otherwise you yeah, it's got to in be internal restraints yeah. not external restraints yeah yeah and uh, you know ultimately that's all that's going to work anyway um all right good 13 uh let's let's kill this last one yeah Whoever then has been established in this perfect love must ascend to a higher and more sublime stage to the fear which belongs to love. This arises not from dread of punishment or greed for reward, but from the greatest love. Just as a son fears with earnest affection a most generous father or a brother fears his brother or a friend his friend or a wife her husband, there is no dread of blows or reproaches but only of a slight injury to his love, while in every word, as well as act, care is ever taken by anxious affection, lest there should be any cooling in the other's love for oneself. To this fear, then, not sinners, but saints are invited by the prophetic word, where the psalmist says, Fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. For nothing is lacking to the perfection of those who fear the Lord in this way. When the Apostle John said that he who fears is not made perfect in love for fear has to do with punishment, he was referring to that other penal fear to, uh, sorry, so there is a great difference between this fear, which lacks nothing, and is the treasure of wisdom and knowledge, and that imperfect fear, which is called the beginning of wisdom. The latter fears punishment, and so is expelled from the hearts of those who are perfect by the incoming of the fullness of love. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. In the beginning of wisdom consists in, uh, sorry, if the beginning of wisdom consists in fear, that will its perfection be, except in the love. Oh my goodness, trash that sentence. Let me start again. If the beginning of wisdom consists in fear, what will its perfection be in the love of Christ, which as it contains in the fear, which belongs to perfect love is called not the beginning, but the treasure of wisdom and knowledge.
1: Whew.
0: Question mark. So, question mark, yeah. Knowledge? Uh, knowledge? <laughs> so, so there are two stages of fear. The one for beginners, uh, for those who are still subject to the yoke and to servile terror, of which we read, the servant shall fear his Lord. And that's from Malachi 1, six. Uh, the other in the gospel, I no longer call you servants for the servant does not know what his Lord does. John 15.15. 15. And therefore the servant, he tells us, does not remain in the house forever, but his son remains forever. That's from John eight thirty-five. For he is instructing us to pass on from that penal fear to the fullest freedom of love and the confidence of the friends and sons of God. Um I like it. That's 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 good. I mean what he's I like.
1: just what he's doing is he's trying to he's trying to take back the word fear.
0: Yeah. And I like and that so there's, I think there's an good. aspect
1: of Christian fear which is comes out of love that we fear to hurt yeah not that you can not not that you can hurt god but you fear to wound the love that's loved you so well
0: yeah yeah i like it because we typically do we talk about reverence you know as that kind of fear that that is associated to a, a, a christian's fear of the lord so you know and you do have the opposite error where people are just kind of Um, you know, there is no fear of the Lord and we shouldn't fear. And, you know, people talk like that, but there is a definite reality. The word fear does mean something and it is involved in the, in the Christian life, you know, as well as a kind of unbelievers fear of the Lord. And so it is important to kind of process. And I do, I I like the way that he talks about, you know, it's, it's just really quite a simple thing. It's parental rather than, than uh, punitive, you know, it's um, as long as you're processing fear in light of your fear of a loving father that you respect that, you know, loves you and yeah. will only discipline those who he loves. I mean, amen, you know, amen. and there's a real fear there, isn't there? There's, I mean, you know, any child will know that some of those fathers, you know, who love their kids and love them well, are not to be messed with, you know? Yep. And um, yeah, there's something about that.
1: So if I was a young monk struggling with assurance of salvation, this would probably help me.
0: I think so. It almost reminds me of what Luther said, you know, or, or uh, who, who was Luther's guy again? I keep forgetting his name. The, the... Oh yeah. You know the guy. Stop it. Thank you. Um, and that's why I keep forgetting it. I mean, like, what a crazy <laughs> man. Um, but anyway, so he, uh, you know, Luther's just like, I just want a loving God, you know? And, and you see, you know, he was directing him to this very kind of advice. He yeah. was just saying, you know, you need to move to this, this level where you just accept that God is your father, you know? <laughs> Not, wasn't reassuring him with that doctrinal sort of like cognitive, yeah. Uh, theological awesomeness but basically just saying you know listen you can trust him and you know and there's something legitimate about that because anyone who reads the bible should have enough to work with to know that god can be trusted so there is something that can lead to assurance there um first john again uh, he who fears is not made perfect in love for fear has to do with punishment there's something very very real in the way that he's yeah. talking there Perfect love drives
1: out all fear. Is that a a moment of perfectionism? I felt like you used the verse in that way. Well, totally.
0: But but there is something about that verse that kind of moves in that direction. And that's kind of the provocative thing about that, because, you know, John is saying essentially that you can kind of be a Christian and not, you know, you've got something more to think about here, you know? Um, And there is a great treasure and a blessing in having that fear driven out by this love that you contemplate well, that, uh,
1: in the Ephesian church that John's writing to false teachers come in and undermine their faith mm. and they'd said, you're not real Christians. And John said, well, here's how you can know you are a real Christian. You love the truth. Mm-hmm. You love the brothers and you pursue holiness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: These three things, three times he circles around those mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. fruits as the fruits of the new birth. So if you do these three things, you're the real deal. Mm-hmm. And he's assuring them in, in the face of false teaching that's undermined their faith.
0: Totally. But you know, yeah. but I think you know whether it's that Gnostic thing in play or just whatever's corroding, essentially whatever's corroding faith. You know, he's he's essentially saying, you know, it almost re- reminds me of William Cooper and the John Newton thing, where you know, he, there he is. You know, he's there is something more for him to have pressed onto. You know, he, no doubt that William Cooper's in heaven right now, yeah. but did he miss out by not pursuing this? You know, further in this life, and it's not perfectionism, but it is. It's, there's something there. There's, there is a blessing lost by not really dwelling on the love of God at the end of the day is what we're talking yeah. about and believing it. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's so I close. Coming back to to, every,
1: time I, every time I listen to this guy, I keep coming back to assurance yeah. as, as the way of getting there. Right. Yeah.
0: Amen. It's a good word. Let's leave it there. It's been a long session for a little cool. letter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right. There we go. So John Cassian, stay tuned for some more. Sounds like a cowboy. John Cassian. It's like Cassidy. Cassian. Cassidy. Cassidy. All right. We're out. We're fresh out at this point.